from LPM. Louisville Public Media. Welcome to The First Cut, an interview series featuring conversations with some of the most talented singer-songwriters recording today. I'm Laura Shine from WFBK in Louisville, Kentucky, and we've asked our guests about some first in their lives. Same set of questions, totally different answers. On this episode of The First Cut, we have husband and wife duo The Warren Treaty featuring Michael Trotter Jr. and Tanya Blount. We talked about their love of music and how it's gotten them through hard times, including about with PTSD. We have uh, Tanya and Michael from uh, Warren Treaty with us here today. They've got a new album called Heartstown, and they're here for the first cut, and we're so excited to have them. We're talking to them from Nashville. That's where you live these days, right? Yes, we're in Nashville, about 30 miles right outside of Nashville. Yeah. You used to live in D.C., didn't you? Yeah, well, I grew up in Washington, D.C., more so in the county of Maryland, Prince George's County. I used to live in D.C. as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so the first cut, we're just going to ask you a series of questions, try to get to know you a little bit better. And we'll start with the very first question is, what was the first record you fell in love with? Ooh. Oh, wow. The first record that I fell in love with was a Jennifer Holiday record. Ooh, and which one? Was, um, I want to say, I think it was And I Am Telling You. That was a big always song, and I just remember saying, "That's it, I'm in love with music." <laughs> the first record I fell in love with was Ray Charles. What I'd say. She the girl with the song. She can do the all night long. Yeah, yeah. What I say. All right. Well, tell me what I say. Oh, man, good choices, both of you. Um, did you, Tanya, did you see Jennifer Holiday in Dreamgirls? Did you see that? I didn't. I was so young. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I did have the opportunity to meet her. Wait, you've never seen it? I've never seen it on Broadway. I mean, have you ever seen I've it? I've seen it, though, yeah, but oh, never okay. on Broadway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it on video, and I had an opportunity to meet her, so. How did yeah. you meet her? I was about... Uh, it was about 10 years, or now I would say 10 years ago, I was pregnant with Legend, who's now nine. And a friend of mine was having a big fashion show extravaganza in D.C. down at the Big Kilton Hotel. Oh, yeah. And she was the performer there. Well, both of you were Yeah, we both were. There. And I was pregnant. I cried from the moment I saw her on stage. Certainly did. To the moment I met her and hugged her. She felt so bad for me because I acted out. I fangirled so bad <laughs> that she... <laughs> She gave me her phone. Like, it's okay. You can call me whenever. I I mean, I, I just loved her all my life. And to have that moment on top of being pregnant, it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> it's so dynamic. Oh my gosh. I, I had to be a thrill. Um, what was the uh, first song you learned on an instrument? Both of you. Mm -hmm. I don't play an instrument, but in music class, you learn, uh, you know, things like Farrah Jaca. Dum, 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 dum. You know, you try to finger it, but I don't play an instrument. My instrument was uh, my voice. 
Lean on me by Bill Withers. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Yeah, yeah, that was the first thing in conjunction with Mary Had a Little Lamb, but. <laughs> Bill Withers' Lean On Me was the very first song I actually learned on the piano. Wow. Great tune. Um, what was the first song you wrote? Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. The first song I wrote, I wrote a lot of songs as a kid in a tree, but the first song I would say that I really wrote was a song called Right Here. Yeah. What was that about? Um, it was a spiritual song. I just had, um, I'm in love now for 10 years, but I had my first taste of heartbreak. <laughs> mm. and, I, and it was just talking about my relationship with God and the universe and getting back close to and in tune with that energy. Yeah. What about you, Michael? Um, you know, I, I thought about something when I was around, I think maybe nine years old, I had heard, well, I had a dream and I heard, uh, all this music that I'd never heard before in this dream. And when I woke up, I remembered the tune and I just wanted to, to, to write some lyrics. And I called it Worship Masterpiece. And hmm. it was similar to Tanya. It was just about a scripture in the Bible I had read a certain uh, period, time period of lament, like lamentations and um, I think it was just a question was asked, how long, how long, oh Lord, will we have to endure this suffering, this pain? And it kind of reflected to me the community that I had come from. Um, how long, how long, and much like today in 2021, those same people from that same community is still crying out. So that was the first song that I ever, I ever wrote, and it, it still speaks to me to this day. You were nine years old, you say? I was nine. I mean, you know. That's deep. Was, I mean, that's that's really deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, no, I mean, I, it wasn't professional. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, I remember, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's stuck with me. And if I put, put my mind to it, I'm sure it could, it could really touch people. But that's the first song. Right. What was the first song you all recorded that you were, proud enough to record like this is the one we want to get on tape um hi ho yeah. i would say this song we put out um in i believe 2014 entitled hi ho excited about that song because it was so rootsy it, it 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 was just a piano some foot stomping and a cello and a tambourine and two voices and <clears throat> we wrote it because we we had heard um 
you know, Rye Whiskey by the Punch Brothers. Hmm. Um, I remember hearing this run riff. Rye Whiskey makes the band sound better, makes your baby cuter, makes herself taste sweeter. Oh boy, Rye Whiskey makes your heart I just kept hearing this and I wanted to write an answer to that melody. And so we, we put the cello there. And those lyrics were just real and raw. And, and we just wanted to bring our backwoods stomping church uh, experience to roots, uh, to further, you know, the, the conversation. And, and that's what we, we try to do. And that song is so special to us to this day. And everyone loves it when they hear us play it live. So <laughs> we, we play a lot. It's different now. It's built up a, a whole lot. It's, it has horns in it and it has organ and guitars and yeah. all that kind of thing. And, and, um, but it still has that roots thump yeah. in it, that element, you know? Right. What was the first heartache song you really connected with? Um, <clears throat> wow. That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> the first heartache song. I'll let Michael go first because I have to think about that. Yeah, I, I, I think um, for me personally, it's a song that um, Nina Simone Sings and it's entitled Mississippi Goddamn. Alabama has got me so upset, and Memphis has made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn. And you would think when you think of a heartbreak song, you would think of something that's melancholic, uh, very kind of quiet and slow and reflective, but the the heartache of Miss Nina at that time was extremely um, boisterous and, and loud and uh, like a like a war beat, you know. And just to say she was very how long that it goes back to that nine year old experience of how long you know Mississippi goddamn and everybody's just moving along and you know and this is going down and. Um, the Memphis tragedy with Dr. King and all of this, the civil rights era. And then you see uh, the president at that time getting killed and then his promising brother. Mississippi, goddamn, is filled with heartbreak and heartache, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that would be my Yeah. Uh, I would have to say, and it probably isn't one of heartbreak, but I remember <laughs> watching the scene of Dorothy and the Wiz and... Uh, watching her sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Soon as I get home. In a different place, in a different time, different people around me. Uh, and, and all those songs that out of that, because she was so sad, she was lost, which is her and her dog going through the different, you know, phases of trying to get back home and the, you know, the sorrow that she felt when she couldn't get home. You know, as a kid watching that, you know, I remember I would cry 
<laughs> watching her with her dog, you know, just trying to get back home to Auntie M and her uncle. So I would say that was my first experience of seeing heartbreak, of, of kind of knowing, seeing sadness. I wouldn't even say heartbreak, but sadness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to connect to that for sure. Yeah. I'd also like to throw in there strange fruit. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, when I heard that, I actually heard Strange Fruit. I just remembered, I heard Strange Fruit before Mississippi got down in school. My teacher, Mr. Lee, uh, he would would try to get us to connect with something that, that we don't hear about today, which is black privilege. You know, um, and, and what I mean by that is the fact that um, we have school books the opportunity to to be educated and have education and um, our parents are making some of our parents make more than minimum wage you know and so many of our children like my my son and daughters they have no idea about strange fruit they don't know anything about um, what Billie Holiday was singing about and what she had saw a young lady coming from the streets of Baltimore and Baltimore is still plagued with a version of strange fruit. So um, I think that that is, that is just something that really, uh, it, it, it was burned into my mind and in my heart and it just stayed. Mm-hmm. Who was the uh, first artist that you were obsessed with or greatly admired just everything that they did? So, I'll go ahead with this one, Tanya, as well. So it was two individuals for me. And I say this in many different different, uh, interviews, but I'll take you through a a kind of a journey a little bit. It started out for me as uh, Michael Jackson. because I just thought that Michael was just, as you know, a little kid, I would see those videos and I thought he was my age. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like a shocker for me to see this little guy doing all these things. But as I got older, I realized that I, I wanted something a little bit more uh, relative, something that was connecting more to what I was experiencing in my in my um my early adulthood you know and i think uh the two artists that travel with me from childhood all the way to at this point would have to be johnny cash and ray charles Mm. both um johnny cash because his story as far as like military and really just trying to make it with a wife and kid at that time, it spoke volumes to my life. You know, his life was speaking to me versus his music. And once I started to really dig into 
uh, the man in black himself and really start connecting with all those different songs, Walk the Line, uh, the songs that he would do with his wife, you know, then I started to see um, how important he is to my life. And from Ray Charles' standpoint, Ray Charles uh, came from the church, you know, and he just took a bunch of church feel and brought it to his real world. And, and for the Warren Treaty, I think that that is the main idea for us is to, we're not trying to really create a religious experience. We're trying to really give you a spiritual experience and a spiritual experience without the, um, the chains or the pressures of religious uh, culture. You know, so Ray Charles and, and see all that he went through and see all that he overcame, overcoming drugs, um, being a womanizer and then overcoming that and being a bad dad and then overcoming that and just being a, a, a person who you really honestly would look twice at to being someone who has moved the conversation forward with just one cover of Don Gibson's uh, um, I Can't Stop Loving You and then George, uh, Carmichael's Georgia On My Mind. Georgia, Georgia, the whole day through, just an old sweet song keeps Georgia on my mind. These two artists embody everything and what it means to be an American, in my opinion. And I'm very honored and proud to say that they are my two impact artists. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tanya? Yeah, mine would have to be, but it's actually three people because one totally got everything, I think, from her. But um, Aretha Franklin, definitely. Whitney Houston and mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand. Yeah. I mean, when you think about a triple threat, of, you know, Broadway, film, TV, dancing a little bit. Uh, Barbara Streisand is it, <laughs> you know? She's here to me. She's, you know, I say what, the, one of the goats. <laughs> and Whitney Houston, had, we had an opportunity to have her a little bit longer. I'm very sure that she would have, you know, taken her film career and did the same things that Barbara Streisand had the opportunity to do. And of course, Aretha Franklin. I mean, we can't say enough about the queen. And, <laughs> and to have a voice like that through centuries. I mean, uh, generations of people will be listening to her long after I'm gone, long after you know, all of us are no longer here. Whitney Houston will be, I mean, sorry, Aretha Franklin will be like we're celebrating Billie <laughs> Holiday right now, you know, doing films on her. This will go on forever. And all the things that she overcame, all the things that she did privately, uh, to help her community in Detroit. It's just amazing to be able to, you know, have those three women and what they did for me as a child and as a teenager, Whitney Houston letting me see what's possible 
for a young black girl growing up in Prince George's County, that you can wear a gown and look glamorous and mm-hmm. just stand there and sing, you know, and your voice be that instrument that <coughs> millions of people are coming to, to, you know, to see. And yeah. I remember going to my first concert uh, and that was Whitney Houston. And I cried again the entire time <laughs> in Columbia, Maryland. It was wow. unbelievable. unbelievable and i don't think we get the swag and the character of of whitney and the swag and the character of barbara without aretha without aretha yeah you know i mean i remember listening with my wife we were at at our home in albion michigan and we put on a record and i just grabbed any record and just threw it in the record player and was hearing uh who i i thought was barbara and it was, I mean, I, well, I, I know, not, I thought it was Aretha, Aretha. Yeah. and it was Barbara. And that's from the collection that you bought me, because yeah. Michael bought me a collection of Barbara Streisand. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of records, and it was just in that collection. It was one of the albums I knew nothing about. I was like, whoa, do you so hear this? Much soul, so much soul, so much energy. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, gosh, that's Barbara <laughs> do you, Streisand. Do you remember what song that was? I want to say good No. I don't remember the tune. Uh, yeah. yeah. She was singing to the top of her lungs. Let me just. Soulful. We'll make sure we get it to you, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I'd love to know. Um, I have a huge box set of Streisand, too. And I was so obsessed with her. I mean, and Aretha. Yeah. And, and Whitney, I was, uh, I always really just appreciated. I just thought she had an incredible instrument. I mean, my God. Um. What was the name of the uh, first band you played with? <laughs> oh, I, I know that. Um, yeah, I do, too. The first band that Ty and I played with, uh, well, solo artist was Valerie June. Mm. Uh, and band, a duo, was the Indigo Girls. Yeah. Really? You played with the Indigo Girls? Same year. Yeah. They both took us out on the road with them. Oh. What did you... Um... Oh, wait, wait, wait. You mean... As I mean, actually, I mean, your first band that you were in. Yeah. This one. Yeah. <laughs> the Warren Treaty. Warren Treaty, okay. This is the first professional duo band, in a band period that I ever played in. But I remember being in high school, I was in this go-go band called the Young Jungle Boogies. And I played the Congos. <laughs> <laughs> I love Salt Fruit Loops. We're all named after cereal. <laughs> That's funny. What would be my cereal? I'd be uh, raising you rain. Be Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. <laughs> um, I'd say raisin bran because that's my favorite cereal. <laughs> uh, Tanya, you said your first concert was Whitney Houston. Michael, what was your first concert? My very first concert was, <coughs> excuse me, Michael Jackson. Oh my gosh, you got to see him live! Wow. I, I tell everybody it was the most enjoyable, unenjoyable experience of my entire life. It was so enjoyable because so much energy and, and, and Michael Jackson, uh, he had come to the Cleveland Coliseum back in the eighties. And <clears throat> again, he's just was, he was electric. Yeah. It was unenjoyable because Michael would explode out of the stage and stand there for 15 minutes. And people were passing out all around me. And we kept, throughout the whole concert, it, we, we kept getting stretchers having to come in and people were literally passing out while this man was performing and just standing there. And 
he took 15 minutes before he did the next movement. And he was just trying to counter energy that and trying to give them time, the EMTs time to remove the people who have passed out. And then he went to his first song, which was Jam. Um, what record are you guys listening to now that you're really loving? Uh, I was listening to um, a lot of singles. I listened to uh, James Brown's Try Me. Try me, try me, try me, darling, tell me I need you. Try me, try me, try me. Um, I was listening to the uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Um, in fact, I have pulled up here because this is, um, I want to take you higher. And it's from the uh, the Greatest Hits album. Um, yeah, and, and, and I also been listening to records for purposes of studying. Like today, like Chris Stapleton's newest album, Starting Over. Pretty much um, a young artist, Katie Pruitt. Oh, I love her. Yes, love her. Katie and I were just talking this on this morning. Katie is 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 phenomenal, and and the work that Gary Pachosa did in in mixing her record, the same guy engineer who did ours, was just mm. nothing short of amazing. And I've been listening uh, to a, a whole lot of Ray Ray Charles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ben? I listen to a lot of Ella Fitzgerald. Stars shining bright above you. Night breezes seem to whisper, I love you. Birds singing in the sycamore tree. Dream a little dream of me. Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong record. Um, I have that on my playlist. The Food Fighters, I mean, it goes from... Wow. <laughs> Food Fighters, uh, play, um... Amy Winehouse, listen mm-hmm. to a lot of Amy Winehouse. Um, wow, who else have in my play? The Joy Williams, who I love, uh, Mumford and Sons. You know, mm-hmm. so different on the playlist that I have, just a lot of different artists with different energy. You know, it depends on mm-hmm. the day of, you know, mm-hmm. how I feel that day. <laughs> I've also 
gone back and listened to our 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 records and our our journey. Uh, I think in the pandemic, what I've learned to do is to go back and appreciate. Yeah. And not so much complain because I had fallen into a web of just complaining about what I I don't have and complaining about what I what would have been different would have what what I would have done differently had I had X Y and Z. Mm-hmm. Instead of just appreciating the fact that you created, period. And um, I realized, you know, that we're, we're worth listening to, the war and treaty. I mean, we've, we've created quality work. And um, there's a time to be humble and there's a time not to be humble. And the one thing that I, I've been doing is going back and listening to what we've created, but also listening to watching the live shows and realizing, man, we were kicking ass. Like, wow. <laughs> we just, you know, like, like, you know, you know, and so I en- encourage anyone who hasn't seen us our show live, um, you need to come and see the show live. And if you haven't gotten the record, um, any of them, Down to the River, Heal and Tie, or our latest release, Heartstown, we are mm. proud of it, and we we do believe that it can, um, it can really help your day move along while we wait to come out of this pandemic. So. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, when I think about a song that lifts me up, it's five minutes. Oh, God, I love that song. Is, is interesting. Um, do you know the story behind that song? I don't. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm happy to hear that it, it, it lifts you up. Um, that song was written in a, a very tumultuous period um, in 2017. In fact, uh, in 2017, I had given up. This was my time, my time to quit. And um not just not quit music, not quit, uh, you know, um, something so loose. I mean, quit life. Mm. And um, I had my plans this particular day. I was ready. And I had just got tired of just failing over and over and over again, just failing, failing, failing. I'm, you know, how in the hell did we get back to not having money for rent? You know, and I don't know if you've ever been there. You know, you, you work your tail off. And just when you think you're seeing a glimpse of hope, something drastically happens. It just takes everything from you. And I was ready to end that. And I remember sitting on the stairs, getting close to my time. And um, <clears throat> I, I like to say this a lot. Love snitched on me. And Tanya picked up on on that, because I suffer with PTSD um, from being an ex-service member. Um, so she's always looking at me and paying attention and trying to see. And she called the Albion Police Department at the time, and uh, they came, and they assisted her. And she walked right to me while I'm sitting on those stairs. She got right down on her knees, right between my legs, and grabbed me by my face like a mother would grab a child. Um, and lifted my head up and said, I know you have a plan to end your life. She said, but I just need five more minutes to love you. Mm. Just 
five more minutes. She was like, I promise. And the police officer was saying, stay with me. Come on, stay with her, man. Stay. And Tanya would echo, yeah, stay with me. Stay with us. Just five more minutes. She was like, I promise I'll give you more reason to stay. And something in that moment uh, said, listen, and look, and I looked at her and I listened and with tears in my eyes, I said, okay. And I'm still living in those five more minutes right now. And um, so the song is not written technically, the, the feel of the song and the melody and, and the instruments don't reflect the pain that got us to the five more minutes. It reflects the joy that came afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it feels like it's like i i i won (laughs) yes you did oh wow what a story my gosh yeah i think i got so swept up in the melody and the great feel of that tune you know and it and it does uplift me the music does um i'll go back and listen to it again especially after knowing this story but um i guess maybe it's the joy that you know that's in that song that that lifts me up, I guess. So thank you for that. And uh, I'm so glad you're still with us, Michael. Thank you. Thank you so you're, much. You're a real gift uh, to this world. Thanks. Um, all right. So I've got one more question for you, which is, what is a song that lifts you up that you would go to now? Something that, you know, when you're down or when you're hurting, you would want to listen to. Very interesting. There is a song called Oceans. It's a Christian song. And uh, I think it's by, I can't remember the name of that church. Hillsong. It's a Hillsong song. It's called Oceans. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. I find you in the mystery in oceans deep. I find myself drawn to that song a lot. Um, also, anything Mahalia Jackson, I mean, there's a different kind of when you're down, you listen to Mahalia and she lifts you up in a different kind of way. But sometimes you have to go, I think that song Oceans allows me to go through that emotion that I'm feeling at that moment, the tears, the sadness. Uh, I have a, uh, thinking about my mom who passed away five years ago. It lets me go through all of those emotions. And then I can go straight to a Mahalia Jackson song Mm -hmm. and it can lift me. It can let me know that there is going to be a tomorrow, mm-hmm. there, that this feeling that you have won't always be there. Mm-hmm. So I think I allow myself to go through that emotion, oh, yeah. that song, Oceans, mm-hmm. because you have to get those tears out. You have to get that sadness out. And then mm-hmm. you have to get to hope, you know, and, and those are my go-to. Right. Songs. 
it's funny. I don't go to a song per se. I go to a period. Mm-hmm. And the period for me, it begins with Nat King Cole era. Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way uh, to about the Motown era. Mm-hmm. And anything and anybody that was creating during those that, that time lifts me up. I mean, I feel so much joy listening to uh, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, man, I've named you. Mm-hmm. And then crossing on over and listen to anything that Tony Bennett had done or Frank Sinatra or even the great Patsy Cline, Otis Redding. And then to go to, I'll be there for love that will see you through or a heat wave, you know, or, or anything <laughs> that, that, that the, the, the um, Creedence Clearwater revival will create in the 60s, even some of the 70s music for mm-hmm. me. It's just a period where you just, you kind of are jealous of as a creator. <laughs> you wish, like, why couldn't I have been born? But as of recently, um, as of recently, though, Leon Bridges' uh, Coming Home record, his album, mm. uh, really speak to me, as well as my friend Nathaniel Ratliff, uh, SOB. I'm on a cover myself with the ashes of you, and nobody is gonna give a damn. Son of a bitch! It's just really fun. And Brandy's Hold Out Your Hand. Mm. Those are just... Mm-hmm. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, this has been this has been wonderful. And I thank you all so much for uh, joining us today for the first cut. And I wish you all the best. And um, thank you for doing this. Thank, thank you. you. So Thanks for having for us. Time. And again, apologize. Apologies to you for our tiredness. Um, we're normally, yes. we're normally not <laughs> like that. 15 minutes <laughs> it's totally fine. It's just great to be able to talk to you guys. So, uh, yeah. y'all take care. Stay well, please. <laughs> Your cat's beautiful. Yeah, I love you, cat. Oh, thanks. Yeah, she kept making an appearance. <laughs> take care, y'all. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The First Cut from WFPK and Louisville Public Media, available wherever you get your podcasts. Our show is produced by Stacey Owen, edited by Tyler Franklin and Eric Matthews, and hosted by me, Laura Shine. You can also see our First Cut videos by visiting wfpk.org forward slash The First Cut. Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org.